Agents Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Espresso Agent. The key to success in real estate is confidence, especially when it comes time to call prospects. Espresso Agent gives you that confidence with the best for sale by owners and expired contacts delivered directly to your inbox seven days a week. Up to 90% of our contacts have phone numbers and the most cell phone numbers on the market. Every day, you can dial with confidence when you dial with Espresso Agent. Visit EspressoAgent.com forward slash agents. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back for another episode of the Lab Coat Agents podcast. And today I am joined not by one, but by two of my friends, one of them being uh, the one and the only Mr. Tristan Ahumada. You all know him very, very well. And we are excited to interview a guest today that we both just met about five minutes ago. And uh, we are very excited to uh, intro him to you guys. He's the best-selling author of 10 books on personal finance. Uh, he's on a mission to free 1 million people from financial bondage. This really applies to us real estate people. He's not only started 50-plus company, he even founded his own martial art called Yukido. I'm really excited to hear about that. And he has developed the ultimate investor retirement tool called EQRP. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Damian Lupo to the show. Damian, welcome. Hey, Jeff. It's good to be here. Tristan, it's good to see you guys. Nice awesome. You, awesome. Excited. Very, very. And I know Tristan just perked up when he heard that Yakito reference, so we're going to have to get to that. But first, let's let our audience know who you are. So tell us about who you are, kind of how you, you, know, how you got going in the business, and, and a little bit about yourself. So I'm, I'm one of those serial entrepreneurs. I mean, I started over 50 companies, and I started them when I was a kid growing up in Alaska. And it was basically solving problems for people. And, and it, it sort of stuck because it was who I was. Uh, first time I, I set up a business was when I was 11. And I, I decided to buy and sell Nintendo games because my parents told me we were broke and we couldn't afford it. So I said, all right, well, how about if I just buy and sell them? And then I, I hired them to drive me around. And it, I think that was the first seed that really started this, this path of going out there and, and not really doing the traditional nine to five, but really going out and, and using the hunger. And it, I think that Really, the, the first time I did that was was when I became a, a real estate agent back in like 1997, I think it was, and and it was I got a little bit of the the real estate bug, and it and that evolved a few years later into starting to go out and do a real estate investments based on reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, going to a seminar, and being naive enough to buy into what they were telling me, and it it spiraled um, really high for a while. I mean, it went, it went crazy. I, I did my, my agent slash investor thing, bought 150 houses and I got rich and I, I was, man, I was the man. And then my ego blew my life up in 2008 and I lost 20 million bucks. So I've been through the whole cycle and I kind of, I, I get what people go through, the, the, the excitement and the fears and, and everything else. And, and I, I think I really understand what to do and what not to do at this point because I've gone through hell and, and come back. I love it. I love it. So uh, tell us a little bit about, before we get into the really good stuff, I'm going to ask it because I know Tristan's thinking it. Tell us about this martial art. I've just got to, I got to know what this is about. So it's an interesting thing. When I first started investing, I really went out at the same time, the same year and found Aikido. And it was one of those things where in, in my mind, there was always a piece that I wanted to learn, but it was never the right fit. And when I found Aikido, I found my home and I started studying that. And then over the next, say, 10, 12 years, I really built this practice. And when you do something in martial arts long enough, you start to evolve into a thing where it's kind of your own thing. And 
And it's, it's in a way, it's what Bruce Lee did. He would pick different things and learn from them. And then it became his style. So Yokido was, was after a decade of, of Aikido and doing a lot of yoga and learning Reiki and then meshing them together. So it's the, the it's a healing art and it's a self-defense art. So you're literally healing people in the process of defending against their, their violence. Wow. Wow. And so what did, what do you do with that? Everything. Uh, it's, it's, it's fascinating when you study martial arts and that it becomes a part of who you are. So everything that I do, when I'm maybe on a call with somebody or just face to face, I'm in a grocery store, it's always happening. It, it becomes a walking practice. And so it, when, when I get attacked, when somebody's mad, you know, they cut you off and they're, they're flipping you off. There's, there's a different way of reacting to it. And there's the flip them off back or be mad or kind of blend with it and, and really try to heal them in the process because you never know what's going on with people. And, and this allows you to engage with people, whether it's physical conflict or whether it's a conversation on the phone, you're talking to a bank that's, you know, it's charging you a bunch of fees and you're pissed off, whatever it is, it, it allows you to start becoming more connected to people in relationship and, and removing yourself from the conflict by lessening the tension that we tend to have a lot in our lives. Can we go down that rabbit hole, Damien, because I think it's one thing that that investors salespeople, business people in general, just a lack. And I think what you're describing is a sense of EQ, you know, emotional intelligence, social awareness, all of that. How important do you think that is to, to your success and just in general to, to business people's success? I would say that it's, it's everything now. I, I think that for in years past, you could probably get away with not being that emotionally intelligent. And, you know, you don't need to read Daniel Goleman's EQ or any of these other things. You don't need to study it. You can just like basically do the things, the, the very left brain mechanical things. We're in a place now where left brain stuff is becoming automated. And if you're not shifting into the right, if you're not understanding emotional intelligence and you're not focusing on relationships and removing the conflict where you're really serving people and connecting with them, I think you become a commodity. And I think a lot of people are struggling because there's so much doing this stuff, but they're not actually figuring out how to connect. And then what they end up in is a lot of conflict where it's, it's like me or you, it's not us. It's not about a connection. It's just about me getting as much as I can from you and moving on to the next kill, which is very hunting versus farmer ing. And I just think that's, that's how you are successful and how you're fulfilled anymore. It's we've, we've moved into a different place because of AI, because of high speed, microprocessors it has to be about relationship or you're dead how how does someone that's starting off or maybe has a challenge with this how do they shift into that whole world into that mindset one of the the things that's that's really valuable is is being still i I wrote a book years ago called reinvented life and the last chapter is called stillness and it, it until we're still we're not present enough to actually know what's going on and to feel and you have to be able to feel and if you're not feeling things if you're just being intellectual then you you have to stop you have to stay still for a second and there's a million apps and, and all these people helping with meditation if you want to figure out why you're not connecting you got to go into stillness and to be in stillness i think the easiest way is to learn how to meditate and then you'll start to understand what's really going on and what's happening and when you're in that space of understanding you'll understand wow this isn't about me all these conflicts I'm having with people, it's not working. I get it now because I'm still enough to actually understand them. We have to stop and, and be still, but we're doing the opposite. We're going faster in everything. And it's, it's kind of screwing up the whole relationship idea. 
That reminds me of the book, Stillness is the Key, that just came out last year. Oh, you, yeah, you already know it. Awesome. I recommend that book to everyone. I just finished it about three months ago. And what you said just resonates with that because the world that we're living in, we're just moving so fast because of the information that's coming through. We don't have the time to just sit still and, and just acknowledge what's going on, where we fit into this world. So I love that you do that, man. So I can see that just by you having the right mindset, you're able to then do what you're doing, which is working at this whole investment thing at a really high level. So that's and, and it, you know, it's, it's one of the things I'm noticing is that we technology can be really useful and it can help us do a lot of things a lot faster. There's leverage and there's speed and, and all these things that would take away a lot of those kind of those redundant things that we have to do. And at the same time, we're letting technology take over our lives and we're chasing it. So there's every, I have it in my life. I have a no ding policy. If you're around me and your thing starts dinging, you're getting evicted, eviscerated, kicked out of my life because it, it interrupts our ability to be with each other. Or it interrupts our ability to think and we're so addicted to the dopamine hit from those, oh, I got a new email. It's like Amazon boxes at our doorstep, but it's in our hand. And we can't stop. And the only way I think to really find a stillness and to, and to figure out why you're here and what you're supposed to be doing is to turn the damn thing off and, and chill for a minute. It's going to be there when you're ready. But what's happening is it's programmed to keep, us, keep our attention all the time. And it's screwing us up. Like We all have the same 168 hours. And yet... Some of us are really living lives that are that are joyous and happy, and most people are just chasing the ding. It's terrible. Wow, I would get kicked out of your circle like Me that. Best. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? Just this conversation, I had no idea. We, I thought we were just going to talk about a martial art, and now you're you're tying it back to business and kind of like a Zen like approach of you know, a mental state. And you know, like you just said, I think self-defense, I think like fighting. And then like you said, it's like somebody flicks you off or somebody comes at you, which happens all the time in business, all the time in real estate. Um, and it's a mental thing about how to respond to them, which probably is, God, this is powerful. It's way more powerful than I realized where we were going here. This is good. Well, and it, we, we, if you think about all the things, all the stimuli that are coming at us, the algorithms are programmed to make sure that they capture our attention. Why does CNN and Fox and all the news agencies, why do they lead with things that are always a red alert? It's it, everything in our lives has become a red alert. And the truth is not very much is a red alert. I mean, like a really interesting, weird example, the coronavirus was patented by a company in 2015. It's been around for five years, but apparently it's an emergency right now. And it came out of something in China and people are going, oh my God, the world's ending. This stuff has been around for a while. And yet we don't look beyond the headlines because we're chasing the feed. And if we can sit still or just turn it over, you know, I mean, your, your thing can ding, man, but you put it in the other room for a half an hour and, and sit still with a piece of paper and, and nothing that flashes or, or alerts you. And it's amazing how the life, your life can really change. One of the things that I suggest everybody does is, is shift their environment. And I did that a few days ago. I moved to the mountains for a month to really get away from the stimulus that just takes over on a, it's a pattern of interruption. So I came up here just to basically be with the mountains and be with nature. And there's a calming about that. And it doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be for months. I think we have to do that to really start to see what's going on. Otherwise, we, are, we wake up and we're about dead. My wife somewhere right now is saying amen to everything that you're saying. 
This is good. This is good. So let's let's uh, let's let's move forward to you know let's talk about the books. Let's talk about the EQRP. And I want to preface this by saying, so when we were scheduling Damien to be on the show, uh, I guess as a part of what you guys do uh, was send us your some of your books. And it's not just sending us books. It's sending it in a really sexy black box with with some with some things that go with it. There was some red red marker and red pen. And, and I, I want to understand the context behind that, but, but tell the audience, explain to them what you sent to me, which was really awesome, by the way. And I will post and share it to Lab Coats uh, so you all can see it. Uh, but explain kind of what that was all about. And then let's talk about, let's talk about the books. Well, first off, thanks. I mean, I appreciate that you appreciate it. The, the, so years ago, I started thinking about where we were in, in the technology space where things are, are, are becoming faster and I'm never going to be as good logistically as UPS. I'm never going to have the, the analytics that Apple or Amazon have. And so I asked myself, what can I do that's amazing that will literally touch people and create unbelievable relationships that don't have anything to do with competition? Because relationships eliminate competition. What most people are doing is fighting in the competition space. And so I said, well, what can I do that would make people smile, that would make them realize very quickly that this is about them and I care about them. And, and it's not just me automating something. It's, it's like when your insurance agents sends you a postcard on your birthday and it's, it's pre-printed and you're looking at it going, why didn't you just reduce my policy by a dollar instead of sending me the postcard? You obviously don't care. So it's the same thing. Unfortunately, a lot of real estate agents use automated systems. And to me, it just pisses me off. I'm like, you know what? Come knock on my door. Say hi. I actually care about you and I'm in your neighborhood and I'm part of your community. I don't think people are doing that. So I said, all right, I'm going to be the crazy person that develops this ridiculous box that makes people go, wow. And my DNA is in everything I do. And when we can figure out how to put our DNA into all the work we do, people recognize us. Seth Godin talks about this all the time. Do work that matters and connect with people. Don't just spam them. Like the interruptions versus the permission marketing is totally different. And when you connect with people relationship-wise, they can't wait to hear from you. And so we spend a lot of time because it matters to me that we're basing this company and what I do on relationships. We spend a lot of time thinking about what we can do that's remarkable, that's exciting, that makes you go, wow, like this has never happened before. Nobody's ever done this. Think about that. If you can do one thing like that in your life, you'll become a brand that matters. I love it. I love it. You hit that right on, man. Relationships eliminate the competition. That was beautiful. It's, it's, I think it's probably one of the only things that we can really do that we can influence anymore because the, the amount of money that's building tech, I don't think we have the ability to compete with that generally, but relationship-wise, we can totally dominate because nobody can touch it. I mean, and nobody will because they're, they, they just try to automate everything, you know, and it's like, well, okay, I'm not automating, I'm humanizing it. That's a, that's a really good point that you bring up. So in, real, in the real estate world, we're seeing companies like Zillow, Open Door, Redfin, they're all focusing the majority of their funds on, on gathering the buyer or the seller, right? When you look at where the funds are going, none of those funds are going to post sale, which is exactly what you're talking about, which is the relationship, right? Like zero money, which is insane to me. And that's where all the money should be because what you said, which is relationships eliminate the competition. That's key. Yeah, and, and it's it's really the the energy behind it. When I developed the EQRP, the retirement account that we're going to talk about, the E is I mean it's it's enhanced qualified retirement plan. It also stands for energy, and people can feel energy. People are 
are aware of what kind of energy is going out. I've got I've got agents right now that are looking for properties for me, and I have access to Zillow. I have access to all these automated tools, and what I value about them is the human experience where they're texting me and they're saying, I thought about this. I thought about you. Does this really fit? And I remember one agent I was working with in Colorado Springs and, you know, I've got access to data like she does. And, and she, she said, okay, now that we've spent four or five hours driving around, I have a better sense of what you're looking for because you told me no to these things and I'm going to be able to find it for you. You can't automate that. You can't take AI and make that happen. Redfin, Zillow, they're never going to do that. She is incredibly valuable to me and it, she's no commodity. And that's, I think, what we need to figure out, how we become that critical piece of somebody's team that makes it matter, that matters in their life. It makes a difference. I agree, man. So let's, let's just get right into to this part of it, which is the, the EQ part of what you created, right? Tell us about how this works and how we as, as real estate agents or business people can benefit from it. Well, are, are you talking about the EQ or the EQRP? EQRP. Okay. All right. Cool. Because we're we're all sorts of EQing Dude, today. So you got EQ coming out <laughs> of your ears. I love it. I never really thought about that, but that's kind of cool that EQRP has the EQ built into it. The and, and here here's what it's all about. The EQRP is it's a retirement account that you have control of, and it's it's very different than what people are generally exposed to with say IRAs or four hundred one ks. The EQRP gives you the ability to control your money and really do almost anything, real estate, you know, private lending, whatever you want. You can do it with employees. If you have employees, you're protected from the vultures that want to sue you out of your wealth. It just gives you the ability to take the, the money that you might have in old retirement accounts or add $57,000 out of your income each year, which you get to defer into an account and you can go do things and you basically become a partner with the government. Instead of the, instead of the government saying, we're going to take your taxes, the government says, great, we want to support you using this tool so that we're not supporting you when you're 60. Like they're really giving you a way to tap into all the alternatives out there. All the And here, here's the bottom line. The alternative is real estate. And as an agent, you know this. So if you're not doing it, it's like, why would you take your money that you make in real estate, you know the real estate, and go hand it to somebody on Wall Street when you can actually go in and invest in things that you, you probably understand way better than stocks and bonds and all that stuff. It gives you the power and the control. It's an unbelievable tool to really define and and create a, a decade and a life by design versus a default and a hope, which I think a lot of people are smoking a bunch of hopium. And I mean, that's their plan. Like maybe it'll work out, but it's a terrible strategy. I love that. Hope hold on, hold on, dude. That was, <laughs> that was good. That was good. I, I didn't, that was, I was like, what, what did he say? Hopium? <laughs> yeah, have like, you, have you heard hope of works. The best. <laughs> have you heard of Jeb? Have you smoked some hopium? I am. I am using that. I love that one. That is a good one. <laughs> Jamie, did you come up with that, buddy, or weren't you? Like, that's good. I've been watching this for years. I finally had to start saying it and say, "Look, man, you know what? Hope is not a strategy. Hope, and if you're smoking it, you're you're gonna wake up one day going, oh damn, oops.' So, yeah, so good. I don't even know what I was gonna <laughs> ask you next because that was so good. <laughs> uh, well, Damien, tell me, tell me how real estate agents and business people can take take advantage of what you've created here. Because I like the idea behind it, but how how do we start? Well, so there's there's two things as an agent. You, you, there's two things to think about. One is your own life and designing your life where you have control of things. You're in control of the drug 
drivers. Because a lot of times we think about the outcomes, we think in, in business, we call this KPIs, key performance indicators. Really, that's the outcomes. Like, I want to have $10 million or something, but we don't really have the drivers. We don't really know what to do. And one of the things this does for you as an agent, as a professional, it allows you to start putting money into something, into a vehicle that you can start directing. And this is powerful because say over the next 20 years, you can put over a million bucks into it and then grow it in real estate. And we know it's real estate. We love it because there's leverage, there's debt. And so you can take that, that million that you're contributing or even a hundred thousand. I mean, when I started guys, my first deal, I took a cash advance on my credit card to buy a rental house. And that's dumb. I don't condone that. I don't think it's a good idea. But, you know, it doesn't mean you have to have a bunch of money to go make money in real estate. And so along those lines, the other thing that as an agent, you can do to, to support and, and contribute to your clients is to start talking with them about alternatives. People say, well, I want to get into investing. And you say, great. Did you know that you can use your IRA and 401k money to invest in real estate? And they go, no, but that sounds cool. And you're like, great, here's a way. And then all of a sudden they have a whole bunch of money that they want to invest. Guess who they're going to buy their rental properties from? You, you're part of their team. You give people, so you're serving people with new tools and resources. And, and then they're going to be like forever thankful. And you're no longer just an agent. You are important to them and they're going to stick around. So you don't have to try to figure out how am I going to keep them trapped you don't need to. They're gonna. They're gonna want to be with you. I mean, that's that's one of the tools you're giving them. It's called freedom by design. I love that. that. Yep, I love that. I love that. So, so when it comes to you know, obviously, you probably understand the real estate industry well. You you're you're in it, right? You're you're investing, and I think probably one of the biggest uh, issues that most agents run into is not being prepared. Uh, on how to manage their finances, right? You get into it and all of a sudden you're 1099, you're not paying taxes on your paychecks. You're, you're, so you're getting hammered there, right? At the end of the year. Uh, but then it, as well as when you don't have a company 401k, like it's not coming out of your paycheck, nobody's saving money. I mean, what kind of advice would you give uh, to realtors on, on either of those topics? I, it's a great question. Uh, the, the thing that I do, and I, and I just started doing this relatively recently because I ran into the same problems. Like I'm making all this money. And I remember I've had a couple of those IRS certified letters. One of them showed up in my house. This is like 10 years ago. And I, I got it and I opened it up and it said, you owe $672,000. And I'm thinking, this is a bad day. So it, it turned out it was, a, it was an error, but you don't want those things. And you will get those things if you don't have a plan. Like again, Hoping it's going to work out is not good with the IRS because it does not work with hope. So what, what I do is, is whenever money comes in to the company, to anything I'm doing, and there's 1099, whatever the income is, I literally just peel off a chunk. I peel off a chunk for, for me, for what I want. I peel off a chunk that goes to the IRS. And people have probably heard this strategy before. Just cut it up. You know, they say, pay yourself first. I literally just every day, if there's money that comes in, I peel off a percentage. Percentage goes to me. Percentage goes into, basically, it's kind of like my own personal escrow account for the IRS. And you have to do that if you don't. We think, oh, I'll get around to it. It's no big deal. It's only 100 or or 1000 bucks, And then a year goes by. And then you're like, I owe $47,000. What am I supposed to do? It doesn't hurt when you're transferring 100 or or 1000 because you say it's 10%. When you do that consistently, like every day I go in, every day I pay off my credit cards, every day I make these transfers, you also get a really interesting dopamine hit. So if you're addicted to social media, go in and give yourself a little pay every day. It'll make, your, it'll make you happy and you're like, oh, I got to do this. And when you pay off your credit cards, interesting thing that happens in terms of the finance and strategy, I started doing this just instead of waiting until my cards came up and paying them off each month, 
I'm paying them off every day. So I have zero balances on everything. What's fascinating is now when the credit card companies are reporting to the credit bureaus, I always have a zero balance whenever they report. My credit score went up like 60 points in the last 30 days because of that. I didn't do anything different except for just making sure it was zero. It's an easy strategy. And why wouldn't we do it? I love that. I love that. Well, so when it, when it comes to actually, you know what, Tristan, I'd like to get your opinion on this too, though, because you are, you know, I'm in the mortgage space, which is, which is different. And in theory, we should be even more responsible, right? Cause we're, we're, we're advising people and lending people, but from a realtor's perspective, Tristan, I'd like to kind of get your perspective on this. And do you have any additional questions on that topic? No, man, I think what happens in, in just all salespeople in general, they come from a, they come from a different world. It's not a really a business background or accounting or anything that has to do with really structure when it comes to money. And most of the salespeople out there are really good at talking to people. The challenge is they suck at their finances and they suck at everything that has to do with money, right? Structure-wise, they're really good at spending it. Uh, but what you say makes a lot of sense. And it's, just, it's really common sense, but it's the constant reminder of, hey, these are the steps you need to take and they need to be priorities, right? You do need to take a chunk of every single piece of check that you get and say, hey, this is going to be for this. But what I, I loved what you said, which was every day you're gamifying the system. Dude, if you could create an app for that, gamifying it and be like, oh, you know what? Today I'm going to, there it goes, boom, d- done. And it's like you get a whole bunch of likes. I'm like, oh, yeah. I would, I would totally do that. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I sometimes, and, and this is again, a bad strategy, like cash advance if you're down payment, but I'll literally get, sometimes I don't get out of bed before I even start, I grab my phone. And I'm like, okay, what came in? And I'm transferring it. And sometimes it's like 60 bucks. And I, I start my day with a win. It's like, yeah, you made something. And, and then I also don't feel nervous about going out and maybe getting a latte or doing things because I'm not waiting until the end of the month to see if there's any money. It's a bad strategy to see if there's any money left. I do this on purpose so that I'm feeling like stuff is working. It's, it, it really does matter. It, you, know, you know, there's the, the thing that I think is really important for us is to figure out simple ways to develop the habits and the rituals. And, and for me, that's just one of those things because salespeople tend to, really, they do. They suck at, at money. They don't have rhythms around it. They tend to go, I have no idea what's happening with my money, or I make this much and you're like, well, how much are you keeping? I have no idea. You know, and if you do something every day, it's just something we do. It's like I go to the gym every day. It's who I am. When you start it, and how do you start it? You get some help. You have, you know, you have people on social platforms or you get a mastermind group or a coach that can get you over the hump of getting something started because within 30 or 60 days, it's going to be automatic, but it's getting that thing started. And the last thing I'll say about that is don't try to start 15 different habits at once. I see people doing that, like myself, and guess how many actually stick? None because we're overwhelmed. It's like Duig's uh, book, The Power of Habit. It's really important to build one at a time and then let it sink in. It becomes part of your DNA versus trying to overwhelm yourself. And then you just feel like a failure and then you quit. One of the things that you said, uh, Damien, was, was you, you get help for the habit that you do want to create. And I strongly believe that. So for what you're teaching, how do you suggest that we get help? I mean, you mentioned a few things there, coaches or, or get into a group or accountability group. But what are some steps, like specific steps that we can take as business people to be able to implement this step-by-step, step, like baby steps, right? One of the things that I do, I like doing is, is really going out into the wild. And I start figuring out what re- who resonates with me. And this is sometimes it's a meetup, sometimes it's at seminars. It doesn't matter. I just, I want to figure out who resonates with me 
who I respect and who's been there. And once I figure that out, those three things, then I go, okay, I'm going to follow you. And I, and I'm looking for that person either to help coach me. I'm going to hire them to coach me, or I'm going to say, do you have a mastermind? The reason I, I have those qualifiers up front is because if you respect somebody and they've done it and, and you, and you feel a vibe there, you're more likely to do what they suggest or do what you learn in that environment. If you just go say, well, I'm going to be in this group, but I'm not really buying in. You're not really going to do anything. You're just going to go there and it's not going to matter. When you have respect for somebody, when I'm looking at somebody and I'm, I'm paying them because I think we pay attention to what we pay for, when I pay somebody and I respect them, I don't want to let them down. I want to come back. So whether it's, it doesn't matter whether it's a mastermind or it's a group like EO or, I mean, there's a million groups. We live in the age of coaching. We live in the age of masterminds. They're everywhere. So if you can't find one, it means you're hiding in a closet without electronics because there's there, like literally you trip over and walking out your front door. We just, if you find the one that resonates with you and find that person that you feel like you have enough respect for that you'll do what you say you're going to do because you don't want to let them down. Yeah. And, and, and everybody listening to this, you're already in the group. You, you are in lab code agents. I mean, that's what it was built around. Tristan built this group. So it was a place for agents to go to collaborate and ask questions and learn and share strategies. And you're, you're, you know, you're hitting right on it. It's, it uh, totally resonates. And, and you said something, you know, like, don't be the jack of all, you know, you don't want to be the jack of, of all, uh, so you're the master of none, right? And I think that's, uh, that resonates quite a bit because I, I was just thinking about something when it comes to, like, saving for taxes. And I think this will resonate with most agents is you always hear agents, like, they all, a lot of agents have caps, right? So they, they, they always are so focused on getting that cap paid right like in January or February. So they're now making a hundred percent the rest of the year. Why not take that same mindset to your taxes? Like instead of, instead of delaying it, instead of pushing it off until, you know, the end of the year when you're screwed, why not focus on your taxes? Like you do your cap. And I think if agents think like that, they're going to put themselves in a much stronger financial position. Well, one of the things along that I think that people end up doing, we, we tend to fall in love with the outcome versus the process. And the reason that I'm doing my daily transfers is I'm in love with the process. So I don't want to have the event down the road. Maybe it's going to be a great event and there's a hundred thousand or a million dollars in profit. It's all exciting. I, why would we wait for that till the end? And it also might be a disaster. I'm going to fall in love with the process every day of whatever it is. And, and then I'm not, it takes the stress away. One of the problems with stress is it creates tension inside of us. So when we're talking about conflict, we're creating conflict in, our, in ourselves versus being open. And if we're not open, we're not really able to serve. If we're, you can tell when you meet somebody and they're all wound up and they're stressed out and, and are they focusing on you? No, they're figuring out their, their house payment or whether or not they're going to make any money or whatever. And so you have to start with that sense of stillness and calm in yourself and people We'll just go, oh my gosh, it's so easy to be around you and you're so helpful. You're, you know those people that literally stress you out as soon as they show up? You're like, oh man, you haven't said anything. But you're just freaking me out right now. I need to get away from you. You're toxic. We know those a lot. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Here's the other thing too about the, about the, the group. If you want to make something happen and you want to commit to it, it's like we've seen these people that are changing their bodies. They post a picture and they're like, man, I'm embarrassed, but I am all in. And it goes online and people are like, whoa, damn, mad respect. You are out there. When we put ourselves out there and we say, here's what it is and here's where I'm going, all sorts of people start jumping on and supporting us. People are afraid that they're going to get attacked. And there are people that attack, but that's their problem. What you find is that people actually support people that are not just hoping, but they're doing. And if you want to make something happen, go public with it, you know, tell people, this is what I'm going to do. And then say, please hold me accountable. Ask me, am I doing it every Monday? I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what my drivers are, what I'm doing. 
And it really does matter when we're out there public because we can't hide and we, we don't want to, we don't want the shame. So we tend to move more. I love that, man. We say that all the time, don't we, Tristan? Dude, <laughs> too often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's never too often when, I mean, those things, they're like key principles. Uh, another great book by Ray Dalio called Principles. Principles don't change. And if you focus on the best principles out there and then make sure that your life's in alignment, alignment with those, you'd be amazed at what happens. But you got to figure out what the, the principles are that you're going you're gonna to guide yourself by, like the rules of your life. Um, a lot of times we don't have those and then our glands define our life. The feeling good or the, or the scaredy cat, those two things are driving everything versus here are my principles and that's how I operate. Dude, you said it right. I think a lot of the times our principles are fear. That's the problem with everybody. Well, we're playing not to lose. And and that's, I mean, you see that all the time. And, and any anybody that's ever watched a sports game, you can tell when a team plays not to lose because they lose. And you can just see them going into defense. And it's, it's really, the offense is, is having those principles. And it, it's not to say that you, you don't want to have a defense. I mean, no team would, would survive if they had no defense, but we tend to operate from the defense and we're playing all the time, afraid that we're going to make a mistake. And the mistake is not making a mistake. The mistake is not growing because that's where the wealth is. It's in the learning by screwing up and actually going through the process. No, cash and cash flow and, and assets and that, that's not wealth. What wealth is, is the process of learning by going through it. And we're afraid to do that because we're trained to not make mistakes because of the judgment. We're like, oh, nope, got to be an A student because if we get a C, that's bad. Well, holy crap, guys, if you make a 70% real life, you're, you know, you're not average, you're a billionaire because getting seven out of 10 is really, really good and almost impossible. But they tell you that that's just average. They tell you that 50 out of 100 in, in school is a flunking situation. That's a billionaire situation in real world. So we've got to really start thinking about what are we taught? What are we running on our rules? And maybe we should reevaluate those. How about if we model people that are doing really well? Doing really well means you've done a lot of things poorly. So how about let's get out there and get a little bloody and muddy? Very interesting mindset uh, about the about don't tell my kids that, though, about the grade thing. (laughs) <laughs> I know it's, it kind of scares it scares parents. I mean, the, but you know, I think about where I learned and when when I learned it, and I learned in school and elsewhere. I always, when I got something wrong, I'm like, "What did I screw up? Why?" And if I got everything right because I was really good at memorizing, that didn't really do anything for me. I'm just, I, you know, I've got one of those memories. But how did that support me in my life? It didn't. And I screwed something up. I'm like, "Okay, that was painful. I don't want to do that again. How do I fix it? How do I grow? How do I get better?" I love that, man. I love that. So, um, you know, obviously we're, we're, we're getting, we're getting up there on time before we get too late. I want to bring up, so I, I texted Tristan a picture of the black belt wealth uh, box that you sent me. And I want to make sure we talk a little bit about uh, a couple of your books anyway. Um, and obviously the two that, uh, are right in front of my face, uh, one of them, which by the way is an awesome title, Unicornomics. That's really cool. And it's even got a really pretty cool image on it as well. And then the uh, the reinvented life. So let's talk a little bit about the, the books, and and then I want to let our guests kind of know how they can go find you, how they can go find these books, and that sort of thing. But let's let's tell them a little bit about that. Yeah. So the the, the first one, reinvented life, that was uh, that was written in 2012, and it was really the, one of the reasons that I most of the books I write I do for me to clarify my thinking and to help me understand what's going on because I think we oftentimes think we know what we're thinking until we have to write it down and communicate it. And if we have to write it down and actually have it legible, we go, wow, I don't really know what's going on in my head. So in 2010, when I finally took responsibility for the fact that I had blown up my life and lost $20 million and had a big mess, I finally said, okay, well, what am I going to do about it? I got some help. And again, a guy and I sat there for two years and he said, okay, here's the question. What is true? It's the fundamental seminal question in reinvented life. And we can all ask that question every day. 
What is true? Something goes up, goes on, we're upset, or something happens that's good. Okay, what is true about that? We tend to say things are good or bad. And I started asking a different question. What is actually true? And I peeled back the layers to figure out what is true about me. Who am I? Am I just a guy that's a hedonistic prick that's going to go out there and make millions of dollars, consume everything in sight, and then drive over everybody in my way? Or is there some other better reason that I'm on this planet? And reinvented life was about reinventing me from that old hedonistic douchebag into a place where I'm actually feeling good about how I interact with people and serving them. And it was it was the process of going internal and then having an external reflection of it instead of just saying, okay, I'm going to go do really good at my job, make a bunch of money, I'll have a big house and everything's good. Like you're still screwed if you're if you're a prick inside. And so that's reinvented life. It's, it's the process of me making a bunch of money and, and that, that thinking that that was the, the end all be all which it's not, but nobody wants to believe it. They all want to do it for themselves. So this book was really my journey through that and giving people strategies. There's a lot of questions in the book. It is not a Harry Potter novel. There are questions at every chapter that help you figure you out because I can tell you that no guru knows you. Tony Robbins has said that he doesn't know your answers. You know your answers. He knows really powerful questions. And and that's what this book is meant to be, questions that will help you pull out the best and the truth out of you. And, and that's why that's why it was written. I love it, man. Uh, and so, uh, so there's that one. What about Unicornomics? So Unicornomics was was something that was that I wrote last year, and it's based on starting over 50 companies at this point. When you when you start something and you do it over and over again, you tend to learn a lot about what not to do. And you you can read all the books in the world, but what happens is you really learn at a um, at a genetic at a DNA level, like the pain involved in screwing so many things up. I can tell you, 50 companies does not mean 50 successes. It means at least 70 to 80% of those died. They were just me putting money in and I went, okay, learn something new. This book, it's a, it's a mini book. It's meant to be something you can digest very easily and very quickly with the process. If you're going to start a company, and when I say you, I mean me, if I'm going to start a company, my team gets this book and we go, okay, are we following all these rules and all these strategies, like relationships? Like how are we going to make the experience of doing business with us world-class. And, and we ask that question. So we create these ridiculously amazing boxes and we call people like who the heck calls anybody anymore, pick up the phone and call, but everybody's texting and they're emailing. That's not connection. And so th- these are part of the rules in there and strategies that as an agent or anything you can use. And if you, if you think about business from a, a standpoint of there is a process that works. And if you use that process, the, the, the contention in the book, that first 15% that you're going to do, which is the structure of your business, how you're going to build it, what it's going to look like. If you get that right, you have an 85% likelihood of success. If you don't get that right, you have about an 85% likelihood of failure. And this is coming from a guy that I studied with um, his work called Buckminster Fuller, probably the smartest man of the 20th century beyond Einstein. And I mean, I, I got about three pages into some of his books and I couldn't understand what he was saying. So smart. And this is one of his premises. You got to get the first part right because you go, I'm in, I'm going to go sell something. I'm hungry. Great. But your structure is quicksand and you're just going to die. So why not take a minute? Now don't spend a year figuring out your business cards. That's the other side of this. People go, I've got all these things to do, but you're broke. So there's, there's some thinking that's being done, but you know what? Thinking is the hardest thing that we will ever do. And, and that's, that's the idea here. Get some thinking in, get some activity, some structure, build it, and then run from that versus just running from your excitement. I love it, man. I love it. So if, if uh, anybody listening today was, was, was loving this stuff and, and let's, let's talk about the EQRP and which we've talked about and we've talked about the, the books and, and whatnot, how does someone go find you? How do they get in touch with you? How do they learn more about this? 
So this is always an interesting, crazy question when you have a lot of stuff going on, like what is the most valuable thing? And I think if you want to do more to serve people, you give them something they've never heard of before. And, and so that's where the QRP comes in, because right now we're in a place where people are more concerned about running out of money at the end of their life than anything else, whether it's boomers or millennials, doesn't matter. Uh, when, when my dad was really sick, I, he was really concerned about that. In fact, before he died, I think he, he was so concerned that he would become a burden because he was going to run out of money. I think he actually died sooner than he would have if he had his resources. So the best thing that you can do is not get into that space where you check out early. And it's also to help people, help people do the same thing so they have time with their families. Introduce people to the QRP book, the QRP, that idea, the eQRP that we created. And I'll give you a simple way. Um, if you if you want the condensed version of what this is, you can share it with people. You can just text the word QRP to 72,000 and it'll give you a download of the, the, the book. And if you want the book, I'll send you the book too. But if you just text QRP to 72,000, super simple and, and you'll have a direct line because everything that comes through that system, my eyeballs get onto because I care more about you guys and you doing something. And there's no greater thing that I can do than to have somebody say, hey, I read your stuff. I'm interested. I'd like to change my life. I'm willing to do the work. Can you help me? The answer for me is yes, absolutely. I love it. So I'm going to repeat that. Text EQRP to 72,000. That works. Love it. I just did it. So you got my info. All right. <laughs> That's good. That's awesome. Well, but you know, as we as we wrap up, um, I'm going to give you guys both a chance here. So do you, Tristan, do you have any other questions? And Damien, do you have anything uh, else that you would like to share before we wrap up? Tristan, go. I have one question for you. As you were saying about coming up with the right structure so that it's not quicksand at the very beginning of building this, what do you consider the first few steps to be when you're analyzing this business so that you started off right? The, the first thing that I would do and the first thing I do now whenever I have a business, I, I hire a coach immediately. And it's a coach that's been through it, that actually gets it. And so that way, every week when I'm talking to this person, I can say, here's what's going on. And they'll ask questions and then they help me see the blind spots. So the first step in creating that stuff, because we don't know what we don't know. And a, a mentor, which is to me, it's a different level than a coach. A mentor is somebody that's been through things. And so if I'm ever mentoring somebody, I can generally see stuff way far into the future because I've already been through it. So I, I know where they're going. And we just, we start moving off one degree and two degrees and, and building the structure. We can figure out what the gaps are because like, I could look at somebody's roadmap and go, okay, I can see the five things that are missing, but how would you know what, what's missing if you've never been there before? So it's really modeling off of somebody. And the, the best investment we're ever going to make is not in a, an investment other than ourselves. And when we invest in a mentor or a coach, we're investing in ourselves. And I think that that's the first place that everybody should start. Find that person, find that person that's going to see your blind spots and that you respect enough to pivot when they, when they suggest it. Dude, that you just said what Jim Collins says, right? That's it. You're finding the who, right? Instead of the what. Everybody yeah, it is the who. The what? It's the who. It, the what, I mean, there's a billion books out there. Like, I, don't, I forget the number, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of books are written a year. The what and the strategies are everywhere. It's, it's really, it's the who. Start with the who. Start with that one who that's going to be there. This is somebody that has one purpose, to see you succeed and to help you and na help navigate you. That's, I mean, it's amazing that people think I'm smart enough. It's almost better to be dumb because then you don't think you can do everything. Being smart is actually a, a handicap a lot of times because you're like, well, I'll do it all. And then you're going to do it all piss poorly. So I tend to think, find a mentor that tells you what not to do and then who, who to hire. Focus on the things. And, and what I really want to leave people with is that 
today, the most important thing is the relationship. I, I live in an area in Phoenix and I've never had anybody come. I'm, I, I live and work out of my house. So I'm there all the time. I've never had anybody knock on my door and say, Hey, I, I am, you know, I'm, I'm Barbara and this is my area. And I, if you have anything that you need, whether it's real estate or anything else, I can help. Let me know. What I do is I get an occasional flyer or um, you know something in the mail, and I go, okay, great. But nobody spends the time to go knock on my door. That person would have me, and I would be telling other people, hey, this person actually is in the neighborhood. But it's physical, and it takes energy. And so people skip past it, and they go, I'm going to automate everything. Well, guess what, who I'm not hiring? The automator. I'm, I'm hiring the person that's based on a relationship, referred, or they show up, and they're like, hey, I'm, I'm investing in you right now. You want to make a difference? You want to go to the top of your game? You want to be in Zig's top 1%? His, I mean, if you want that, you got to do something different. And today it's about the relationship period. Man, I love it. I love it, man. And, it, and it's awfully ironic too, by the way. Um, I come to Phoenix to, uh, to do a podcast with you and you leave. So how about that? You know, <laughs> It's the dance. It's called circulation. We're just kind of moving around. So true. So true. Well, it's been awesome. So Tristan, you have anything else that you want to add to this? And, and, and Damien, do you have any other, any other avenues that people can find you like, like on social? I know you mentioned that uh, you're just now coming back. I know you've got uh, about 125,000 people that are subscribed to your YouTube channel, right? Uh, mine? Yeah. Is that, is that yours? Cause I saw, I saw you have like peak prosperity, but I wasn't sure if it was yours cause you were on one of their episodes. Yeah, I've been on Peak Prosperity and, and, and quite a few other ones. Uh, you know, it's funny because one of the things I have not been measuring is social media. I've been, been so busy finding ways to, to share and things. I think that's, that's actually one of the most dangerous things that a lot of times people do. They, they feel validated because they have a certain number of likes and things. I'm like, yeah, but how many people actually, I mean, do you have these people's cell phones where you can call them and they'd actually take your call? You know, like what's, what's, what relationships are real right there? Because, and here's the other thing too, social media is, is a little temperamental. Like you say the wrong thing and sometimes millions of people can vaporize. I can tell you that if all my social media went away, my relationships are strong and they're real and, and we are connected. It's a very different thing. So think about what, what we're building. I mean, I've got people on these platforms and, and I also have them directly connected. And I, I think one is far superior than the other. So just be mindful of what we're putting all of our time into and make sure that the relationships that are actually connected are the ones that definitely get time. I love, I love that. It. I love it. And, and I think I will say this because I don't think, because for me, and I know for Tristan as well, social media has been massively impactful on our careers. And, but it is because what you just said, I didn't really realize it is that, I take the social media platform to build relationships, but then I take it further. Like we don't just stop there. Like Tristan and I have become really good friends. If it wasn't for social media, we'd never know each other, uh, but we have a really strong relationship now. So I think it's important for the listener to know, and we totally just went down a rabbit hole here, but use social media for what it can be used for. Don't just use it as a rabbit hole, you know, don't just use it to get lost in. Uh, and as a time waste, use it for what you could because it can be massively impactful on your life. Well, and with the social media, the, the thing that I love is when people will reach out. And I typically, if I mean, I'm on stuff, but typically I'm interacting with people on LinkedIn. And that's just where I tend to be. When people reach out to me and they send a personal message, 100% of the time they get a personal message back from me. And I find it fascinating that people will just spam connect me. 
And I, I, I go, why would you do that? Nobody cares. In fact, it's more irritating than, than if you send a real message out, people actually go, wow, you're, you spent, you invested a little time. You'd be amazed at how many people, I mean, you guys are probably the same way. If people send you a real message, you're like, cool, I'm going to send them a message back. Like you're not going to blow it off. And, but people don't want to spend the time. It's like, it's a pretty easy way to connect with people. Just be a real human. Humans like humans. Yeah. I'm hundred percent, man. I love it. I love it. Tristan, anything to add? That's it, dude. I'm just, I took a whole bunch of notes on how to apply a lot of what you said into real estate. So it, it really just reinforces what we've been talking about, which is beautiful. Cause then we have those doubters that are always saying, no, 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 no. You know, it's about relationships, but not as deep as you're talking about. I'm like, no, it's all about relationships. So thank that, you. That, that's Yeah, absolutely. I, we are, um, it, it is the thing. I mean, like what you guys are talking about using social to, to feed into building relationships. And ultimately, I mean, what, what we're social beings, that's what we want. We crave it. It's one of our six human needs. I, I talk about this in reinvented life, the, the love and connection with other people. It's not just likes. That's not a basic human need. What it is, is the connection. And, and, and we need to, we need to really think about that and be mindful. I think a lot of times we take it for granted, but you know what it's, there's entropy around relationships. If you don't invest in those relationships, if you're, I have this thing where if, if I'm not spending a couple of evenings a year with people where we're having dinners, then I'm, I'm not really sure what that is because you have to have, I think you have to have physical interaction with people for, for it to really be nurtured. Otherwise it starts to disintegrate like any building. If it just sits there, that nature will tear it apart. And same thing with relationships, they tend to fade. So what are we doing? Let's be mindful about it. Let's, let's figure out who those people are and start mindfully saying, okay, I'm going to spend this day, this month doing whatever. It's giving it energy. You give it energy, your life changes. I love it, man. I love it. This has been great. Damien, I really appreciate uh, you being on today. We, uh, I'm glad you found us. I'm glad Justin found us so, uh, so we, could, uh, we could interview you. This has been great. So remember, text EQRP to 72000. Uh, if you want to find Damien, I think the best place to find him, what you just told me, is on LinkedIn. And so go check him out there. We're going to go find him uh, on Facebook and try to pull him back into the Facebook world, of course. Um, <laughs> That's right, Damien. <laughs> but, but Damien, this, is, this has been fantastic. There's, uh, there's so much, I think, that we took from this, from this podcast episode that we could probably continue to talk, but we try to keep them within an hour. So uh, thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your time uh, until you ride. And uh, I'll keep uh, Phoenix uh, not warm for you because it's cool here today. But uh, this has been awesome and look forward to uh, hopefully staying in touch with you. Yeah, let's absolutely do that. Remember, hope, hope is not a strategy. So let's just stay in touch. All right. That's right. Stop smoking the hopium. <laughs> Jeff. Shit, man. Stop it. <laughs> Best line, man. I, I, you, Damien. I appreciate it. <laughs> this has been great, Damien. I really appreciate you. And, and as always, to all our listeners, if you love what you're listening to on our podcast, remember, don't keep us a secret. Uh, make sure you rate us. Give us feedback. And, uh, and of course, share, share, share this podcast with other industry professionals, because uh, we want to get the word out. We want to continue to share. We want to, we want to carry on what Tristan has started. And so uh, we really appreciate you, Damien, and we appreciate all of our listeners. So thank you very much. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Podcasts.